You could have reasons or you could have results, but you can't have both. Welcome to the Graceful Hustle Podcast, where people of faith learn how to amplify their professional impact. I'm your host, Monique Carkham Edwards, a New Orleans girl who loves seafood, a wannabe fashion stylist, wife, and mother. I'm also an executive strategist, attorney, and pastor, and I'm here to help you get to the C-suite with your soul right. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to episode number 26 of the Graceful Hustle podcast, What had happened was we're talking about crushing the excuses that hold us back. I'm going to apologize up front for my voice. I was sick before Valentine's Day, went to the doctor, I was diagnosed with the flu. I went to Jamaica with my husband, Lennon. We got there and I immediately felt better. Wasn't sick at all while I was there, rested, recuperated. And the day I got back to New Jersey, I was congested again with headaches. So I think I'm allergic to New Jersey, y'all. So I don't know if an allergist will help me with this one, but I think I need to go see one. So sorry my voice sounds so nasally, but it is what it is. And the podcast show must go on. So there's a famous quote that the internet has attributed to everybody from Barack Obama to Frank Ocean, But I remember this quote from my days pledging Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, and I know other Greek organizations within the Divine Nine use this quote as well. And it says this, Excuses are the tools of the incompetent, used to build bridges to nowhere and monuments of nothingness, and those who use them seldom specialize in anything else. I'm going to repeat that. Excuses are the tools of the incompetent used to build bridges to nowhere and monuments of nothingness, and those who use them seldom specialize in anything else. See, when we were pledging, me and my line sisters were often given hard tasks. We were sent on fool's errands. We were assigned all kind of crazy projects to complete, and we were expected to get this stuff done no matter what. You couldn't come back to your deed of pledges or or your special or any of your big sisters with an excuse. You had to come back with results. You had to get it done. And we would be made to repeat that quote about excuses to keep us focused on delivering said results. Fast forward some 28 years since I've pledged and with all due honor and respect to my beloved sorority and with all due respect for the other Divine Nine organizations, I have to disagree with this quote in some respects. Yes, I still believe that excuses lead us to nowhere. Yes, I still believe that excuses don't build anything. But here's the part that I agree with, disagree with. I disagree that excuses are the tools of the incompetent. Yes, there are some incompetent people who make excuses for not delivering on their commitments, for not getting results. But there's another reason people make excuses, and I think this one is much more common because it has often been my reason for not doing certain things and getting certain results. And I see it in my clients. People make excuses, not because they're incompetent. People make excuses because they're afraid. Excuses are more often than not the tools of the afraid. Another thing that you need to know about excuses is that they are different from reasons. There's a difference between an excuse and a reason. 
A reason is a logical explanation for why something has or has not happened or why something is or is not. An excuse is what we give to make it okay that something has happened or didn't happen or is or is not. An excuse is different from a reason because an excuse is designed to absolve one of the responsibility to make something happen or to prevent something from happening. So let's take a silly example just to illustrate the point. When it's raining outside and people enter a building in their wet shoes and their dripping umbrellas, naturally the building floor is going to get wet. The reason why the building floor is wet is because people tracked water into the building because it was raining. That's a reason. But if someone slips and falls on that wet floor and they fracture their hip, let's say, the owner of that building can't say, well, you know, it's raining outside, so that's why they fell, and because of that reason, I'm not responsible. If we were the person who fell, the first thing we'd say to that, biz- that building owner is, hey, that's no excuse. Yes, it was raining outside, and yes, the floor was wet, but as the owner of the building, you should have had your maintenance guys drying the floor periodically, putting out caution wet floor signs. You, as the owner of the building, had the responsibility to do something about this condition. So you're still responsible for my injuries. The fact that it was raining is a reason, but it's not an excuse. Y'all see the difference there? A reason is why something was or wasn't done or is or, or is not. An excuse is what we use to try to make it okay that something was or wasn't done or is or is not. So today we're going to look at three common excuses, excuses that I've made personally. And as I've worked with hundreds of people over the years, I've watched others make these very same excuses. Ready? Let's go. Excuse number one, I'm not ready. That's excuse number one. And this is a big one, y'all. Because there are so many variations that you can spin with this one, it gets used all the time. The variations go like this. I'm not ready to start my business. Why? Because I don't have the time. I'm not ready to go back to school yet. Why? Because I don't have the money right now or I don't have the time. I'm not ready to go after that promotion. Why? Because I'm not sure I meet all the qualifications. See how flexible that excuse can be? We can spin that sucker in so many different directions. And listen, time, money, and other resources are all key components to anything that we want to achieve. And all of those things should be considered. But here's where it gets a little shady. Here's where our behavior gets suspect. We become real sus when we've identified why we're not ready. The lack of money, the lack of time, the lack of qualifications, resources. We become real sus when we've identified why we're not ready, but we do nothing to get said money, time, or qualifications in place so we can be ready. In other words, when we do this, We've allowed our lack of resources, whether real or perceived, and we'll talk about that more in a minute, but we allow our lack of resources to become an excuse not to even try rather than identifying the lack or the gap and developing a plan to address the lack or the gap so that we can be on our way to greatness. So when I'm working with a client or even talking to a girlfriend of mine about why they haven't gone back to school, let's say, And they say something like, well, I don't really have the time. 
My next question is usually, so what areas of your life are you looking at restructuring so you can make the time? And sometimes this question will lead to a really terrific brainstorming session where we can figure out where adjustments can be made so she can find the time to go back to school or he can find the time to go back to school. But then other times, there are other times when I ask that question and I hear something like, well, I have so much to do for my kids. And then I'll ask, well, what do you have to do for your kids? Well, I have to drive them to soccer practice and I have to help them with their homework. And so I just don't have time to go back to school right now. And listen, y'all, as a mother, I get it. So my next question is usually who can help with that? And then they say, nobody, nobody. Well, what about your sister or your sister-in-law? Or maybe you could share a nanny or a babysitter with someone. Hey, maybe you could find a responsible college student to drive them back and forth to soccer practice and help them with their homework. And I start brainstorming all these ideas. And when I do that, sometimes I get pushback. And when I get pushback on every single one of those, now listen, by pushback, I don't mean healthy pushback. I mean rejection with no alternative presented. Healthy pushback looks like, well, that won't really work, but this might. Or, hmm, let me think about that a little bit more. Maybe I could make that work in the following ways. But it's not that. It's this pushback where there is no alternative presented, but everything I say is rejected. It's that constant rejection of any idea that would move the ball forward and cause them to have to take action on what it is they say they want to accomplish. When that's happening, I know they have excuses. Earlier I mentioned about perceived lack of resources. Often there's a distorted perception of our level of readiness. We often think we're not ready because of a perceived lack of resources, emphasis on the word perceived. What I find is that we, especially women, tend to overestimate the amount of preparation and the resources necessary for the things that we want to step out and do. So when we say we aren't ready, it's you're not ready compared to what, (laughs) or you're not ready compared to whom. Often, When we say we're not ready, we're looking at some version of what we want to be or what we want to accomplish. We're looking at the job we want and the person who holds it currently. Or we're looking at the other pastor in the church that we admire. Or we're looking at the other business owner. And we look at them and what they have. But what we're mostly looking at is what we think they have, because Lord only knows what they really have, but that's another story as well. And we're looking at them and we're saying, wow, I don't have that. And because we don't think we have what we think they have, we then tell ourselves that we can't do it. But it's important to remember that they, whoever they are, most likely didn't start out like that. Five years ago, that VP that you admire probably wasn't as polished and as competent as they are today. They've grown into who they are. Three years ago, that business person you're admiring didn't have the client list that they have today. So we're often coming in at the end of the movie. We didn't see the messy middle. So when my clients are saying to me, I'm not ready as an excuse, it's my job to speak the truth to them in love and call them on it. 
And so when I detect that this is happening, I have to say to them, hey, listen, we've talked about X number of options and you have had an issue with or objections to each one. And I'm feeling a little something and my gut may be off, but I don't think it is. Here's what my gut is telling me about you in this particular situation. My gut is picking up on that maybe you're afraid, maybe you're scared. And then I just shut up. And it's usually then that there's a long period of silence and nine times out of 10, the client will respond and say, you're right, Mo, I'm scared. Which is wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Why? Because we can now, instead of brainstorming to no avail, we can now begin to work together to unpack what it is that they're afraid of. And once we begin to unpack the fear, here is usually what we find. There's a fear of failure or maybe a fear of rejection or maybe a fear of the unfamiliar or maybe fear of being uncomfortable, fear of being in the spotlight, fear of success, or sometimes fear that if I step out and do this, I'm going to lose support from my loved ones because they won't agree with my decision. And so whatever that fear is, we can call it out of the darkness where it's lurking. We can put the spotlight on it. We can name it and we can begin to address it and we can get the client moving forward. And I say call it out of darkness because it's like what used to happen to me when I was a little girl. My bedroom was on the side of the house that was next to a neighbor's. And this neighbor had a banana tree in their yard. And through my bedroom window, I could see the banana tree. Now, when I would pull my window shade down at night and turn off the light in my room, the outside street light would hit the banana tree and cast a shadow on the banana tree making it look like a monster that was towering over me when I was in my bed. And I would get scared every time I would look at the image on the window shade and I would go get my daddy. And he would come in and he would turn the light on and he would raise the shade so I could see that it was just the banana tree outside my window and not some monster. What I was looking at was a distortion of reality. But once we uncovered the distortion, once my daddy lifted up the window shade and showed me, look, baby, it's just a banana tree outside, then I was no longer afraid. What's the banana tree in your life? What's the thing that has become distorted and made you afraid and has you out here making excuses? That's what I dig down with on my client, with my clients. And what I do with them is I take them through a series of questions to help them identify what their banana tree is. We work together to pull that fear out so they can see the thing that they're afraid of. They can name it and they can realize that it's not some big scary monster. It's just metaphorically a banana tree. But as long as that fear is allowed to hide behind the excuse of I'm not ready, we can just avoid it and not have to deal with it and we can stay stuck. Listen, you can have reasons and you can have excuses, but you can't have that and results at the same time. You got to pick one. And if you're listening to this podcast, I know you want results. So let's do the work and deal with the fear 
so we can move forward and get some results. So that's excuse number one. I'm not ready. Excuse number two is a slightly more sophisticated version of excuse number one. Number one is I'm not ready. Excuse number two is I'm getting ready. I'm still preparing. I'm still researching. I'm still gathering info. I'm still doing my due diligence. I'm still doing whatever. I'm still. I'm not ready yet because I'm still getting ready. I'm getting ready is a slicker version of I'm not ready because I'm getting ready sounds like you're actually making some progress. (laughs) Y'all, I have done this so much. I have a doctorate in it. I am the queen of research and preparation. Y'all ought to see what your girl can do with a search engine. I can research some stuff. Under normal circumstances, I research stuff to death. But when I'm scared, oh, child, I'm a researching fool then. Why? Because all that preparation, all that researching, all that busy work satisfies the part of me that needs to feel active. But all of that busy work, all of that research, all that getting ready kills the part of me that needs to feel accomplished. Accomplished. There's a part of me that needs to feel like I'm getting stuff done. Speaking of getting stuff done, if you haven't already, check out episodes number 16, Handled, How to Get Stuff Done, and episode number 22, Done is Better Than Perfect. Both of those will help you if you are one of those I'm getting ready people. Listen, preparation is important. I would never advise anyone to go after a promotion or launch a business or relocate or go back to school without preparation. Preparation is key. Preparation and excellence are what separate the professionals from the amateurs. But the excuse of preparation that I'm talking about looks like this. We are constantly preparing, doing tasks that are not essential at that moment to moving forward to our next step. I'm going to repeat that. This excuse of preparation is we are constantly preparing doing tasks that are not essential at that moment to moving forward to our next step. You are in perpetual preparation. So listen, y'all, I've done this so much, it is criminal. So here's what perpetual preparation looks like. You've decided to start your side hustle and you've identified the product or the service that you want to offer. And you spend all of your time working on the colors for your brand and obsessing over the logo and redesigning the website. Are brand colors important? Yes. Is the logo a good thing to have? Certainly. Is the website design important? Definitely. But you know what's real? Here's what's real. After all the time and money that you spend on the brand colors and the website and the logo, you still won't have a customer or a client. And you don't have a business without a customer or a client. So what should you really be working on? Selling your first product, booking your first client, or getting some version of your product or service out of beta testing and into production. But since these kinds of activities might require you to put yourself out there, you don't do them. And you hide behind the excuse of, I'm getting ready. Why? Because you're scared, afraid, 
afraid of rejection, scared. Hey, maybe they won't buy it, scared. Maybe they won't like me, scared. Maybe they will leave a bad review. All of that is what happens when we're driven by fear. If you work for an organization, your I'm getting ready could look like this. There's a role that you want. It's a promotion. And you research the role to death. You talk to other people in the organization about it. You have talked to those who have held the role in the past. You research the compensation package or the level that the role is supposed to be at. You do a whole lot of due diligence, which is important. But you know what you don't do? You never actually raise your hand for the role. You never apply online. You never tell your manager that you're interested in the role. You never tell the hiring manager that you'd like to be considered. You can do all the preparation in the world, but if you don't throw your hat into the ring, you'll never get the job. And you know what's real? You'll watch colleagues who, God bless them, aren't as bright as you are, aren't as experienced as you are, aren't as capable as you are. You will watch them get those roles. Y'all, I know what I'm talking about. Why do you think I picked the word bold as my word for 2020? I picked bold because I battle with this fear of putting myself out there. And so I myself have used I'm getting ready as an excuse not to move forward. Listen, y'all, my group coaching program, the last word is full. It's full. Shout out to all the people who have registered for it. It is full. But I almost didn't launch it because I was afraid to put myself out there like that. Isn't that crazy? I go around the country and I just accepted my first assignment outside of the U S I go around the country teaching communication skills to executives from places like Facebook and Microsoft. And I've worked on communication strategy skills with professionals in the pharma industry and top accounting firms, you name it. And yet I was afraid to launch my own group coaching course to do what I already do and to teach people what I already know. Is that crazy y'all or what? But it just shows you how powerful fear can be. So I picked the word bold for 2020 because I knew that that's what I needed to be in order to do what I know God has for me to do in 2020. So whenever I find myself in what I call this perpetual preparation mode, I have to remind myself of two things. Number one, done is better than perfect. Check out that episode of the podcast if you want more on that. And then I ask myself, what would a bold move look like right about now? And I think of what bold actions can I take to move myself forward? So let's just follow through with the side hustle example. Yes, brand colors and websites are important. But if you don't get some paying clients in the door, your side hustle will always just be an expensive hobby. So what can you do to get clients and, or customers? Tell yourself, number one, done is better than perfect, and make a decision to launch with what you have, your minimum viable product, your MVP. And then secondly, ask yourself, what would a bold move look like right about now? What would be a bold move for me to make? Maybe a bold move for your side hustle might be inviting 10 friends over for wine and cheese and demoing the product and asking them to buy it at a discount and in exchange for them giving you some feedback so you can improve it. Maybe a bold move would be for you to go live on social media and announce your business, putting a product launch date out there so that you will actually be forced to get ready. 
you know, in the corporate world, the example might be in the spirit of done is better than perfect. Remind yourself that you don't need to meet all of the qualifications for the role that you're looking at. Managers expect that you will grow into it. So apply for it anyway. And then ask yourself, what would be a bold action that I can take right now to move me forward? Maybe after you've applied, you schedule a sit down with your boss telling her that you want the position and why you think you'd be great at it. But whatever you do, you can't let I'm getting ready be your theme song for the next five years. You got to actually, at some point, get ready. So excuse number one is I'm not ready. Excuse number two is I'm getting ready. Y'all ready for excuse number three? Here it is. Excuse number three, the all-time favorite excuse of scared Christians everywhere. Ready for it? Here it is. Excuse number three, I'm praying about it. Baby, if I had a dollar for every time I heard this one, I'd already have my beach house in the Caribbean. I'm praying about it. And this one is even more slick than slick excuse number two, because I'm praying about it sounds so spiritual. Because listen, if somebody says I'm praying about it, what are you going to tell them? Don't pray? No. So when people pull out the I'm praying about it card, it's like they pulled out the trump card. They pulled out the big joker if you're playing spades. So I would never tell anyone don't pray. Sure, before we launch into anything, we as people of faith, we need to pray. But here's what I've learned from my own life and from working with other clients. Prayer is not an isolated step. What do I mean by prayer is not an isolated step? When we pray seeking direction, guidance, or confirmation, we shouldn't just pray. Prayer is but one tool, but one tool that the believer has in his or her toolkit to help discern the will of God for his or her life. There are other tools in the toolkit, like research, due diligence, gift and talent assessments, a number of things. But when I have a decision to make or an opportunity to assess, I have to pull out my full arsenal of tools. I can't just pray. I can't just look at what I'm good at or talented at. I can't just do due diligence. I need to do all of those things. But one thing that I have learned to do is a process that I call pray and probe. Pray and probe, P-R-O-B-E. What do I mean by pray and probe? As I'm praying, I'm starting to take little baby steps towards what it is that I want to do or what it is that I'm praying about. And with each baby step that I take, I'm praying. And as I'm praying and stepping, I can usually gather some insight, some information, some intel, some perspective that will help me take the next step and better discern if this is indeed the will of God. So let me give you another example from my own life. I have recently been presented with a potential business opportunity. And y'all, it sounds perfect, perfect, because it would allow me to combine all of my background, finance, corporate law, executive leadership, discipleship, pastoring, spiritual mentoring, and executive coaching. And it would allow me to do that in a way that I, that I think is super fun and exciting. And it's potentially financially lucrative. But as I dug into it a little more, 
I realized that in order to take advantage of this opportunity, I will have to let go a significant portion of my current work. And I would have to pretty much go all in on this opportunity. And that's when I went from super excited to cautious. Nothing wrong with caution. I'm praying and probing. And then I learned that it would also require a significant financial investment, a five-figure investment. And I immediately said to myself, girl, you don't have that kind of money. (laughs) And that's when the excuses started to kick in. I started to say to myself, well, I don't know. Maybe this really isn't for me. Maybe there's a lesser role that I could play. And so I had to take a good hard look at what I was doing. I had gone from excited to cautious to scared. And when I got scared, that's when I started making excuses. So I had to call myself out on that. And I had to sit myself down and say, okay, look, out of all the concerns that you have, which ones are legit and which ones are just that banana tree? That banana tree that was outside your window when you were a little girl Something that appeared larger and more scary than it really was. And I literally sat down and I made a chart with two columns. One said real, one, the other side said perceived. And I listed my concerns. And for those real concerns, I developed a plan to pray and probe each one of them. And my scared self said, well, you know, we don't have that kind of money. But when I probed that, that's not true. It's not that I don't have the money that it would take to invest in this. It's that I was really afraid to bet that amount of money in one single bet on myself. So I had to make a decision to do what I told told y'all to do a couple weeks ago. I had to make a decision that if after prayer and due diligence and praying and probing, I thought this was a God opportunity for me, I was going to take the the decision and make the five-figure investment amount on this idea and go all in. So as part of praying and probing, I uncovered some of my fears and some of my issues, what was real, what wasn't real. And what I'm doing now is I'm setting up a meeting with my potential business partner. That meeting hasn't happened yet, but after that meeting, I'm going to assess based on what I learned and I'm going to continue to pray. And I'm going to continue to probe and I'm going to continue to see, okay, what's the next baby step that I need to take. So I'm definitely praying. I do not want you guys to think I'm out here in these streets, not praying. I am, but I'm not just sitting in my living room and praying. I'm also having business discussions. I'm talking to my group of advisors. I'm deciding how and where I will get the money for the investment. I'm praying while I'm probing. Where in your life, Are you making excuses because you're afraid to take that step? There is absolutely nothing wrong with being afraid to step out and do something big. In fact, fear is a normal part of the progression process. If you don't feel a little afraid, you're probably not taking a big enough risk. You're probably not doing enough. But we have to identify when we're allowing reasons to become excuses that stop us from moving forward. So we got to feel the fear. And we got to identify what's real and what's just a banana tree. And we got to pull it out into the light and then develop a plan to address what's real. Three excuses that I always hear. I'm not ready. I'm getting ready. And I'm praying about it. I hope that this episode 
has encouraged you not to go off and do something wild and crazy, not to be irresponsible and not to take uncalculated risks. But I hope what it has encouraged you to do is look beyond surface answers within yourself. Get with a trusted friend, get with an advisor, hire a coach, but have somebody help you walk through and unpack why it is that you're not moving forward. Are your reasons legitimate? Are they real? And if they are real, what are you doing about it? Because just because something is a real reason why you're not moving forward, you can't let that become your excuse. Again, you can have reasons and excuses, or you could have results. I'm praying that you're going to go for, for results. This is Monique Harkam Edwards, the executive strategist with the Graceful Hustle podcast. Pray that this episode has been a blessing to you. Y'all take good care until next time, and I'll see you at the top.